Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde, about USC football, Pac-12 media days coming up, of course fall camp is just around the corner, so lots of USC football topics to get to, and we do love to hear from you, we want to make it interactive, so if you have questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, that's the simplest way to get to us, as I said, you could tweet at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can tweet me at Inside Troy. Tweet some questions for the podcast. Leave us a voicemail. You guys have been starting to do this on our new voicemail line, 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. You can leave us a voicemail there or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Leave a voicemail. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave one right from your computer or device. And if you have any problems, of course, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Well, okay, without further ado, let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? How you doing? Ryan, Ryan I tell you what, uh, I'm uh, getting a little itchy now for football. In fact, before we uh, went on the air, we were talking about practice schedules and do you have one yet, and uh, we don't. But uh, I'm getting ready to, to go to camp, I guess you should say. I'm going to try to get a couple of days of rest and relaxation if I can do such a thing. When I go on a vacation, Ryan, I just work from a different spot, okay? That, that's basically what it is. But uh, I like uh, uh, people. I like talking to people. I like getting ready for football. I like traveling a lot. And uh, But I'm ready. It's, it's time now to uh, get ready to go, report to camp, uh, get everybody, uh, you know, get their physicals done, in which, they've, which they've been working on, make sure everybody's academically eligible, make sure the recruits are all admitted, and, uh, Make sure they all have gone through the clearing house for the NCAA, and uh, just get ready to go. And uh, I think they're really uh, getting to that stage now. Basically, they're about what ten days, two weeks away from practice. Yeah, it's, we're getting really close, Coach. And uh, the of course, Pac-12 media days are Thursday and Friday. Uh, fall camp starts on August eighth. Like Coach said, we don't know the full schedule yet. We don't know what's open to the public. We don't know all that kind of stuff, but we will know soon. Uh, maybe we'll find out at Pac-12 Media Days. So USC is actually scheduled to go up on Friday, but they'll have six teams on Thursday, six teams on Friday. So we'll talk a little, a little bit about that in a second. But I just wanted to uh, thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com if you need tickets for anything. You want to go see Mike Trout or go see the Dodgers or anything in Southern California across the country, sctickets.com. 1-800-888-7287 is the number if you want to give them a call. And, of course, you can go see any sporting event, but also the theater and things like that, too. So thanks to uh, Southern California Tickets. And, uh, Coach, yeah, before we jump into those questions, it is Pac-12 Media Day week. So that's why I guess it feels like it's it's coming here. You know, we've, we've seen some of the other conferences, Media Days. Uh, Pac-12 starts Thursday and Friday, a two-day event. We'll be, I'll be out there uh, both days kind of checking out what the coaches and players have to say but for me coach this is when it's really coming down to the nitty-gritty when the media days come and you know fall camp's not that far after that no it's not it's uh, a time when all the coaches get together and uh, bs each other <laughs> a time when they pretend they're friends 
and, uh, you know, go through different issues with the rules committee and they talk with the officials and the uh, different uh, meetings they have to go to and Radio Row and taping all the interviews for all the TV stations and radio stations and all of the uh, media people pick up their media guides and and socialize and it's sort of a a get together of uh, sort of uh, saying hey the football season is here normally the coaches bring two of their players uh, that are interviewed and uh, I'm always very concerned when I attend the media guides or media uh, days that each player makes sure that they're interviewed I've gone to a lot of these media days before and it seems as though sometimes players aren't even asked a question. Uh, they come down the night before, they've stayed in the hotel, and when the media is asking questions, it's a question and answer period. Some questions aren't directed to some of the players, and it seems sort of, uh, to me, uh, embarrassing uh, as far as the coach is concerned. That was, they're my players. I brought them for a selected reason to, to share them with you at this moment without a helmet and shoulder pads on or before a game or after a game. And sometimes, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you notice this or not, but I'm, as a coach, very protective to my players. And uh, sometimes I want to make sure, too, they always receive fair questions, not questions like, well, how do you think you'll do this year against UCLA or or any of those type of questions. I think they should be questions that are pertinent to what the season is about and uh, about camp and about uh, how spring ball went and have you met a lot of the recruits and how has summer workouts been going and how about yeah, if he's been injured how does your leg feel are you ready to go I mean football questions not uh, general questions that sometimes embarrass a kid or a kid doesn't know how to answer them but I, I can tell when a kid is asked a question the coach turns to him and looks at him to say, okay, what are you going to say? Uh, so uh, I think it's important that the kids are treated equally as important, not as the coach, but equally as important to each other as far as each other is concerned. And uh, due respect is given to them from the media during this period of time. Coach, the uh, I mean, you talked about the, the coaches and the players coming out. Well, I'm not really sure. I'm sure Cody Kessley will be there. I didn't really look to see – uh, Sue Craven and Cody Kessler. Sue Cravens, yeah, okay. So, you know, last, last year, I think it was, uh, Hayes Pollard. And, you know, I think for a team like USC, they get a chance to, to talk and they're going to be talked to. But yeah, like if, you know, when Washington State comes down and he brings like a center or something that no one knows about, there's probably not as many media asking a guy like that, uh, questions. But I think it, it helps a little bit that they split it up into two days. So it's six teams one day, six teams another. And of course, they have to split up USC and UCLA because, a lot of the local media, if you put USC and UCLA on the same day, they would probably just show up for that day and not show up uh, uh, another one. But it, it should be interesting, Coach. I'm looking forward to yet another uh, movie studio that we'll be going to uh, for Pac-12 Media Day. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna try to do let people know we're gonna try to do some podcasting from uh, Media Day. So I'll try to put some interviews and up uh, interviews and stuff up on the site. Uh, from different players uh, from USC. And we're also for our Pac-12 podcast. Um, it's called the Podcast of Champions. You can get to it at Pac-12podcast.com. We'll be there both days. And, and if you want more general Pac-12 information, I actually do it with uh, David Woods from Bro, who's a, you know, the Bruin Report Online site. So we both come together to do a, a general Pac-12 podcast. 
we'll both be there both days and, and doing stuff from there. So it should be it should be really interesting. And this week on the pot for the Peristyle podcast, we're going to have Gerard Martinez on. He'll do a recruiting podcast. We're going to have Dan Weber on a little bit later on the week, kind of previewing Pac-12 Media Day. So lots of podcasting this week, Coach. Well, good, because, uh, you know, it, it sort of gets us ready for football, and uh, I'm not going to attend it. I'll be out of town. But I really like now what uh, ESPN is doing, where you can catch all the coaches, and they interview the coaches on television, and I've enjoyed uh, watching uh, these interviews, and I think it's more personal as far as I'm concerned, and I think it's the coaches are more relaxed, and uh, I think it's it's good. So if you can't go to media day, like a lot of people can't go to media day, you can catch it. I think the uh, Pac-12 is going to be on on Tuesday when they have the coaches. They fly back there before they come to media day, and uh, they do the interviews there in the studio in Bristol. So make sure you catch it because I, I like that. I really like it, and uh, it's uh, very informative, and uh, I think it's good. But uh, what I've liked, and you've probably seen uh, me tweet this out, Ryan, uh, I've been starting my football tweets at Coach Harvey Hyde. I've been starting to break down the difference in media days from the Southeastern Conference and how serious it is there as far as the coaches and coat and ties with their school's color as far as the tie is concerned. They're very professional, very uh, formal-like uh, and to the Pac-12 where it was all coaching shirts. Yeah. More kickback. So it's interesting to see the difference in the conferences. I'll guarantee you the Big Ten will be coat and ties, and I guarantee you the Pac-12 will be coaching shirts. So uh, it just... Uh, a different style of importance, and I like to pick up on the little things and, uh, you know, uh, see what's going on. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. The ACC, um, I was listening to another podcast, too, just about the ACC media days. They're all in, you know, polos and very casual, and it's a couple of days. And it's mostly about the golf tournament and kind of going out. Like, there's really not this formal. Um, so it, it's it's about as night and day different than, than the SEC as you could be and. Coach, I'm still plugging. We want to. I need to get a golf tournament out here somewhere. We could have it at the Rose Bowl. Come on, man. Pull some strings here. We get a golf tournament for Pac-12 Media Day. Well, it should be, and it should be held at the Rose Bowl, the Media Day. We had it there once. Now, uh, since that day, it was hot that one day, and they had it on the floor of the Rose Bowl. They've got facilities there now. They've re- renovated the Rose Bowl. They're great. Uh, plenty of room to sit down. Everyone gets a chair. And what's the goal? of the Pac-12. Get to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in the top four, you're going to one of the semifinal championship games. But get to the Rose Bowl. So why not have it at the Rose Bowl so you see the house. You're in the house of where you're fighting to, to get to. So, I mean, I've, I've been mentioning that for years, but uh, I guess for somehow uh, the Hollywood studio philosophy is one out. All right, well, let's jump into some of these questions, Coach. And uh, we'll start off with Tarek. Uh, he's kind enough. He sends a question almost every week, so thanks for sending those in. He said, is Scott Felix the starter with the most to prove during fall camp? What do you think, Coach? Well, I, uh, we answered this question last week. Uh, Scott Felix is the one with the most experience. Uh, he's the one that has played more than any of the other players that are playing that position. And that's Ruffin and uh, 
Fort Augustine and whoever else it'll be playing that position. Uh, he plays hard. He's a tough guy. He's a 100% guy every down. Will he be the starter? Probably. Well, probably be the starter in the first game. I'm, I'm never giving a position to anybody without competition. But uh, I think he's got great competition as far as from the other two or three that play that position. I'm not sure who's going to be playing that till I see it or people rotating people around to see who's going to be playing any position. But uh, Scott Felix, uh, I would say, because of his experience, and I believe he's a senior now, uh, will get that first spot on the depth chart. But that doesn't mean he can keep it. So I think that's part of having great competition. And, and I really think today is where your defense has has a lot of players. You know, it used to be where you could get ready to play and you'd have 60 plays a game possibly run against you by the offense. And I went to 70, 80. Now you're not surprised if an offense ran 90 plays, 95 plays, some of them 100 plays. So I think you've got to heavily recruit great players for defense so that you can get in there fresh and compete with these offenses and uh, when you make a move or substitute, you've got someone else to come in who can play it at the same pace or better or, or change up the pace where the guy didn't get used to facing the same type of player. So I think you've got to have numbers on the defensive side of the football. I've started to think about this a little bit uh, on the defensive side because they get a lot of plays run against them. So, uh, yeah, uh, Scott Felix, to answer your question and not wander away from it, uh, will probably be the the guy that got to beat out. Okay, uh, thanks for that one. It'll be really interesting to watch. I think that position just with freshmen coming in, like you mentioned, Porter Gustin, uh, Jabari Ruffin coming off an injury. Um, so I think there's a, a lot more depth, coach, uh, on this year's team, and I think on the defensive side of the ball, especially that maybe not all. You know, it's a number one ranked recruiting class. Maybe not all of them are come in and start, but just the, some of the holes that were on the two deep last year, coach. I think you're filling those in and maybe even a little bit beyond that with really talented guys. If it's a guy that doesn't have experience, it's a really talented freshman coming in that, you know, you would hope is able to step up and play if, if, if the, the need happened for an injury or whatever. Um, but I, I just think the two deep now coach is going to look a lot more full, a lot less walk ons, if any. Um, it just seems like this class changed the whole outlook of how this team is. I agree 100%, and uh, I'm sort of starting to try to learn all the numbers of uh, the new players. And when I look at the defensive linemen or potential defensive linemen, they're impressive, the freshman class. They really are. Uh, 80, uh, let's see, who would it be? 89, Christian Rector, you know, 6'5", 250-pound freshman uh, out of Loyola High School. Uh, I mean, that, that's a great uh, find. How about... Uh, uh, Noah Jefferson, a freshman, 6'6", 330 out of Las Vegas. These are defensive down guys or defensive end guys. And then Jacob Daniel, number 92, uh, 6'4", 325-pound freshman from Fresno, Clovis North. I mean, that's impressive to go along with Rasheed Green, 94, 6'5", 285-pound freshman from Sarah High School, a five-star. I mean, these, these, are, these are good players. I mean, most teams would just like to have those guys be their starters and bring them along. So I agree with you, Ryan. I think that the depth that some spots on the SC team are stronger now than they've been for a long time. And then uh, kind of a segue to Keevan's question. Uh, because that two deep is going to be filled out more with 
talented uh, players, a lot of freshmen coming in. I think that some of the, the, the walk-ons who really were like kind of second team guys can kind of go and be scout team guys and give the first team good looks. Uh, and that's a, a Keevan's question kind of has to do with that, uh, deal with that. He says, how often does a team prepare against scout teams and what type of players are designated for the scout team? And what's the difference from practicing one versus twos and playing against the scout team? Well, first of all, the scout team is very, very important. I mean, a lot of people think that, oh, the scout team, I don't want to be on the scout team. I always used to try to get the best scout team as I could as far as the, our redshirt players, first of all, that are, you know, sometimes three- and four-star players. Because if you don't get a good look as a defensive coach or an offensive coach against the defensive or offense you're going to face, you don't get a true look. You can't prepare. So uh, I used to make sure that the, the coaching staff that coached those kids had a time to go down and work on the plays and learn the plays every week uh, and execute those plays. Make sure they worked or the defenses. Make sure you shifted like they did. Make sure you cover your coverages the way they do. Make sure you you do it all at the same speed or as fast as you can. Not just poor me. I'm on the scout team. I'm not going to play. I don't care. I mean, we used to have a scout team player of the year. I mean, a guy that gave the 100% effort. I think SC has some award, something like that. And you've got to get an effort out of your scout team. If you don't get an effort out of your scout team, then, you know, you're not going to be prepared to play a team. So we had to have a lot of pride in what the scout team did. And I used to have some coaches down there that were very motivating to make sure we got that look. Otherwise, I'd get a little bit upset. And uh, you don't want me to do that. And because it's hurting the overall team, offensively and defensively, when you have to use your ones and twos to be a scout team, you want your ones and twos to go against the scout team, play after play after play. You don't want them to be the scout team. You want them to be the team they are. So I think the scout team and who plays on the scout team and the way they motivate themselves and the way they prepare to go out to practice, that they take it as something that's very, very important to the football program. All right. Well, thanks for that question, Keenan, and thanks for the answer there, Coach. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very important, and I think when people look at the depth chart, when they look at – you can check out the scholarship distribution chart on uscfootball.com, and you see those numbers, Coach, of players on scholarship now creeping up should be – 78 or so players, uh, for the, for 2015, a lot higher than what we've seen before, where they, you know, was it 40 something scholarship players before for one of the bowl games? I mean, there's, the numbers were really low. And I think just improving on those, it's not just about the, the, the two deep and the guys you're getting on the field. I think it's an immense improvement as far as getting those reps against the scout team. You, like you said, you want to have the best scout team out there possible. There might be a five star freshman who's, you know, maybe digged up a little bit. He's got a red shirt and you get him on the scout team um, and starts tearing things up, you know, and, and when you get a great player like that, a dynamic player, I remember like David Osbury, who's in the NFL, he was, he was on the scout team for a year. I mean, to you get a guy like that, that you get good looks against. So he's playing against the first team. He's mimicking what the, the opponent's going to be for that week. Uh, it just makes the team all that much better. So I, that's why when some of the people are kind of high on USC this year, coach, a lot of the reason for me is with the depth filling out more, I do think you're going to get better looks in practice. I think you're going to not just a better team on the field, but overall, I think the practice, practice, 
excuse me, practice experience is going to be a lot better. And I think that's why some people are, are really high on USC this year. I agree. You know, uh, the more players you have, obviously, you've heard me talk about the game. The game is around players, not around coaches. It's being able to get the correct coaches to, to play the best uh, or, or to coach the best players. When you have a great combination, you're pretty good. So the more uh, better players you have, the better coach you are. It just makes sense. They used to come to me and they say, Coach, this guy's a great player. And I maybe had six tailbacks. And I'd watch him on film and I'd say, Wow. I don't want to play against that guy. We're going to offer him. Why? Because he's a great athlete. We'll find a place for him to play. Uh, He's the type of player we're looking for. Uh, And I would never turn down a great player. I I don't care. But sometimes you have players call. Like, like I'll be honest with you, Tyler Boyd, the great receiver from Pittsburgh who's a preseason All-American, was a freshman All-American. He called me, and he, he wanted to be introduced to some people on the West Coast. He wanted to go to that school, so I made a call or two to see if that could happen. It was during the summer months, and he was in Southern California. And uh, all he needed to do is uh, somebody say, we'll take you. He was ready to come. He would have stayed. It was from a little high school on the East Coast called Clarenton High School. Fifty kids in the school. Wow. Three of those kids Three of those kids got full scholarships in Pittsburgh. And uh, he and you know who he is now. He's a preseason All-American. So great player. So you've got to really uh, look at all players, and you've got to be able to project them and and not close your eyes or or you know you treat everybody the way. Like I've, you've heard me tell this story. I mean, I used to pull off and go into high school and recruit. Well, we weren't even recruiting a player. We haven't recruited a player in five years. And I tell my coach, pull off. I want to go in there and talk to the principal and meet the coach. And he, coach, we don't have time. We've got to go. No. And we pull in there. I go into the principal's office, introduce myself to him. And golly, sure enough, down the road a year or two later, guess what? They had a player. And all of a sudden, uh, that player sort of got inside help for me as far as coming with us because we cared when they didn't have a player. So that's the same type of, you know, thing. Nice. Uh, all right. Let, let's, uh, we're going to go to a voicemail question, Coach, on our new voicemail line. Now, this one, I'm going to have to cut it off. It's a little long. It's about a, it's over three minutes, so we'd like to keep your, your voicemail questions under a minute, and that would be great. But we'll get the general idea from the first minute or so of his question. Here you go. This is a uh, message for Harvey Hyde. I was just wondering, um, Steve Sarkeesian seems to be mimicking the Oregon offense with speed, 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 you know, all he seems to want to do is um, go fast and stuff. But one of my concerns are, you know, uh, they always call Steve Sarkeesian a seven-win or eight-win Sark um, at Washington Huskies. Well, um, I think the reason why is because he never thinks about the other side of the, you know, when when the other foot shoe drops, meaning I'm talking about the tailbacks. Um, the uh, If you're going fast all the time, your defense is going to get tired. And uh, he recruited um, three, um, three really fast and short tailbacks, 5'11", Ronald Johnson the third or Ronald Jones the third, whatever his name is, 
um, that are the fastest in the state of Texas, in the state of California, and whatever other state the other guy is from. Um, my problem is you're trying to get the next Reggie Bush. Well, what about the next Lindell White? All right, and well, he kind of goes on from there, Coach, but he wants to. I want to know about big tailbacks and stuff. So I'll let you uh, comment on that. Well, uh, let me tell you, you, you're always looking for big, fast, anything. And if there are great, big, fast running backs out there, you're certainly going to go after them. Uh, I think uh, every coach would like to have a running back that's 6'2", 220 pounds and can do everything that a 6'190 pound running back can do. But there aren't just that many super great athletes that can do that. They aren't. So what you do is you go out and course uh, i've got to mention this you got to have speed the name of the game is speed freeman the running back from uh oregon uh, is fast and he's big and he's a preseason all-american for this year so you when you can uh, you've got to get the best running back you can to, to uh, play for you but you just can't find that uh 6'2 225 pound running back that's as fast as some of the other backs that you have. Now, uh, let me tell you, let's talk about the three backs you mentioned that, that are coming in now. You talk about where where the young man, the tailback from DeSoto, Texas, and he's six foot, 200 pounds, and he'll grow into uh, what you might say a large running back. Now, he's not Lendell White yet, but he has more speed than Lendell White, and the name of the game is speed, too. So, I hope and you hope and everyone hopes it's a USC fan that he turns into that type of back. Because I agree, you've got to have bigger backs at times when you need tough yards. And sometimes you've got to wear people down by making them tackle a bigger back. But you still got to have the great speed. And that's what sometimes hurts Vanuku and Pinner because they're great backs, they're big backs, but they don't have the burning speed that maybe the other backs that – USC has that they're using. Jones is a breakaway speed back. I think he'll be a great back once he learns the offense at USC. Uh, you know, he's six foot, 185 pounds. Uh, he has a great chance of playing young, but we'll see what happens with him. And Dominic Davis is a smaller back, but he's a fast back, and he'll probably play some tailback, but I look at him playing more as a slot that he may have the tailback. They basically don't have a tailback anymore. It's a running back. So, uh, yes, I agree with you. If you can find that running back that's 6'2", 215, 220 pounds, that can run like a guy that's six foot, 190 pounds, hey, you're in great shape. But <laughs> there just aren't that many of them, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, well, there is one on the team, but potentially, and that's our next question, our last question of the podcast. Brian from Beham checking in, uh, SC fan in SEC country. He said he was watching the 2006 Rose Bowl, which is still considered the best college football game ever played, in his opinion, uh, despite the outcome. And he has a question for you, Coach. Do you believe the tandem of Trey Madden and Justin Davis is able to emulate that of Reggie Bush and Lendell White? And he also wants to know, which wide receiver do you see taking the Dwayne Jarrett role? I know most fans would say Juju, but I believe this kid, Daquan Hampton, might take that role. Just wanted to know your thoughts. As always, go Trojans. Well, I think Trey Madden, 
uh, when he's healthy, and right now all indications are he's really healthy. He's about 6'1", 225 pounds. He's a great kid. Remember, he came in as a linebacker, and now he's a running back. I, I think when he's healthy, can do a great job. He's had the 100-yard uh, games, I think, two or three in a row when he was healthy, and I think he can still run at that ability. I think Justin Davis now, he's well. I don't think last year he played the entire season that healthy, but he did play. I think he's a, a bursteful back, a good back, and I think they can have that type of combination and, and be very successful with those two as long as they stay healthy. I really do believe that. As we all know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, coach, doesn't do too much of a two-back set where they utilize them both at the same time in uh, in the running game. So I don't think they'll be in there at the same time, but uh, two backs is really the all I would play. Uh, you've got to get a feel of the game. You know, you can't play five backs during a game and each get four carries. And I don't buy that, okay? I think a back's a back, and he carries the ball not when he's, uh, three or four times because he made a 30-yard game, you take him out of the game. Please, don't even look at me. Just just keep going into the tunnel if you're that tired. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> you got to be able to go. Tackles go every play. Receivers go should go every play. Well, running back should be the same and be conditioned enough to be able to do that. So I think those are the experienced backs, and I would think those backs would play and develop into the type of backs that USC needs to win. I think the other backs you bring along slowly and you give them their opportunities when they need their opportunities, but you you don't have to, you know, throw them in there just to keep them happy. I would put them in there when it's time to better the team and better the kid and when you have the opportunity to become a better football team. So, yeah, I think those two backs are very capable for the Trojans and uh, if they stay healthy, that would be the strongest thing and the best thing for the offense. And then what about uh, the Dwayne Jarrett role? I mean, Juju, I think, will be the, the number one guy. But Hampton or even Isaac Whitney are both uh, a little bit bigger guys. And maybe you know we haven't had that kind of tall receiver around USC for a while. We haven't seen that for a while. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, the Dwayne Jarrett role? You know, I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm very impressed with these two junior college re- receivers that have come in. Uh, really. Uh, these guys really have impressed during the spring, uh, Whitney during the spring, and then Hampton here during the fall. Big, good hands, uh, can go to the football receivers. They they really are. Uh, I don't know who will take that other position. In fact, I think it's a problem. I think you have too many receivers. I mean, I don't know how you're going to keep all that group happy. you got Darius Rodgers. You got other guys that really deserve to play. You know, Stevie Mitchell, of course, will play it as far as the slot. You got a lot of receivers out there that are good. Uh, the one with the most experience is Rogers, but you know, Rogers' name isn't brought up as much. And, uh, uh, I don't know if, if Darius, uh, during the spring, uh, didn't have a great spring, whatever. I, I hope he does have a great fall camp and it just makes the entire team better. And then they're talking about a Dory Jackson coming over and playing some offense. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I wouldn't do that. But Adore, you let him. He'll play every play both sides of the ball. Yep. Then, then run track on the weekends. I mean, after the game, Sunday, because he's a winner. But you've got to do what's best for the team. So I'm not sure who will be that other receiver. I think you got Juju Smith that is a superstar and going to be a superstar. But 
I hope they don't do to Juju what they did to Robert Woods and Marquise Lee. They beat those guys up. They caught too many footballs. Not that they're not great players, but you got other great players. If you if you look at both of them, their first year in the NFL, they're beat up all the time. They were hurt there because they never recovered from that. You can't catch a hundred footballs and get hit that hard all the time. These guys aren't huge guys. They're fast guys, but when you got the sideline there and guys are taking shots at you full speed, it beats you up, and they've been injured. So I think they got to share the love a little bit, but there isn't a drop-off. There really isn't a drop-off. Uh, they're great players. Uh, I don't know. They've got other teams that have best re- better receivers. They're sane in the country. But I don't know if these guys have been to an SC practice and seen the receivers that I've seen out there, Ryan. And I'll tell you what, that's a talented group. And I've said this the last three or four years. That is a talented group. But this is a talented group. Would you agree with me that is there a better group of receivers in the country? They think UCLA has a great group, which they do. Oregon has a great group, which they do. Um, but this is a great group at USC. No, I think it's a great group. I don't know about being the best of the country, and I, I don't. I'm not as uh, familiar with a lot of the other uh, teams, at least outside of the Pac-12, as far as they go. But I, I, I think with many of the position coaches for for USC, I think this is true. Like uh, Phil Steele came out and said USC has the number one group of linebackers. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't think you can say that if you're not including all those talented freshmen that are coming in. Um, so a guy like Isaac Whitney or Daquan Hampton that we haven't seen, or, you know, Steven Mitchell could have a huge impact this year. We haven't got to see much of him because of the injuries. I think there's guys with a ton of potential. And you ask me 10 weeks from now, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is an awesome group, but you're just not sure. I'm just not sure how those, you know, the two JC guys are going to perform at a high level school like USC, or is Steven Mitchell going to be able to stay healthy? And hopefully he looks like he does in practice because man, he's just been absolutely electric so i think they certainly have the potential coach but as far as like it's not like they have a uh, five guys coming back that have all caught you know 20 balls at least or something you know it's, there's just there's a lot of potential there and you know, i guess we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out oh you're right you're right in the fall camp that's where you get better and uh, you try to get your best combination of players in there and i think they've got the uh, pieces to the puzzle let me put it to you that way yeah it's great when you don't have a when there's a piece not missing. You just got to put the puzzle together and make sure it it uh, fits right. And uh, they certainly have that as far as the receivers are concerned. All right. Well, coach. Hey, great stuff. Really appreciate it, man. Just ticking away. We get closer and closer and closer. Definitely, you want to stick around and stay tuned to uscfootball.com. The rest of the week, we'll have more podcasts, and of course, we'll be uh, podcasting from Pac-12 Media Day. So that should be very interesting. Uh, later on in this week. But, Coach, just wanted to thank you again for coming on the show and answering everyone's questions. Thank you very much, and I want to thank everybody else out there for being a part of our show. And uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Sounds good. All right, everyone, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. 
or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.